the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 101, recorded Friday, July 26th, 2013. Mr. Dongle. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright, because that's what my parents named me. How are you? I'm your host for the day. Uh, with us this week, an old friend who has crossed the barren desert of Australia and finally made it back to the homeland, Tom Andre from AV Rant. How are you, sir? I am doing well, and I actually did cross the barren desert of Australia. We drove from one side to the other right before we left. Three kids in the car. That On was, purpose? Uh, yeah, it was my wife decided it would be <laughs> educational. And what it taught me is that I never want to spend three weeks in the car with my children ever again. <laughs> well, not right now. Maybe once they become adults, that would be cool. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Uh, also, they're much older adults, like in their thirties. Like, like, like they can drive you at that point. That would be cool. You could <laughs> at sit that in the point, back. They'll have to. Yeah. All <laughs> those. <laughs> uh, also with us is Ronnie and Spang. Ronnie is an AV systems engineer. How are you, ma'am? Doing awesome. Thanks. Uh, George Tucker is here. He's from World Stage. How are you, brother? I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, last but not least, we have a newbie this week. His name is Nate Schneider. You know him as Big Nate on YouTube and Twitter and other places. Uh, he's an associate AV designer with Image Stream Medical. Welcome, Nate. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a big fan, so uh, really happy to uh, put my two cents in. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Absolutely. I, I, I got turned on to you by uh, our buddy uh, Chris Netto and uh, started watching your videos. Some very cool stuff. So, uh He's got some tips and tricks for AV folks uh, if you check him out on uh, on YouTube. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, wireless security, movie servers, uh, Arrow. Microsoft is getting back into the home automation game again. Yay. And somebody sent me a freaking 4K story, so I guess I'll have to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's first, the future. Uh, you know what? I seriously, I am trying to get away from 4K stories. I swear to you, I, it, but it's every week there is something. And I go, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it because, yeah, okay, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, this time from South Korea, by the way, not not the Japanese, um, but the, the Japanese are. Anyhow, we'll get to it. Uh, this week, uh, and actually, this was one that we kind of uh, threw in at the end here. So if the guests sound uh, dumbfounded, it's because I just sprang this one on them. Uh, Google came out with something they called Chromecast. Uh, real quickly, it's a dongle. And oh. you plug it in HDMI. So there you go. Uh, said dongle. I, that's, that's why I got it out early. Uh, and if you don't know the story, there was actually a guy named Dongle, poor guy. And he this is he developed it, so that's why they call it a dongle now. There you go. Um, I did not know it that. It really is somebody's name, poor guy. Wow. Uh, but school that guy did. <laughs> yeah, I know. He probably got beat up every single day. Um so it, what it is is you've got this this dongle uh, with an HDMI connector on it, and it's little. I mean, we're talking a, a USB stick, right? 
Um, according to the Chromecast website, uh, it will play YouTube, it will play, play Google Play videos, uh, and oh yeah, Netflix, because everything plays Netflix. Um, George, is this, this seems to me to be a game changer on the face of it, but let's be honest, it's still Google and I'm still feeling the effects of Google TV. So how much of a game changer is this? I think that's yet to be determined, but it is, I, I hadn't read anything about its possible coming until it was released. So they really did spring this one on a lot of us. Um, I think it's, it, it has the potential to be a game changer. I mean, look, it's using what's called OTT. That's over-the-top content, just like everybody else, like the Roku and guys. But it's in a dongle. And you can use your, I presume, smart devices. They're saying iPhone or phones. You're probably your Android phone. Yeah. And probably a smart tablet uh, to then move your content over to a larger screen and then stream it from there. I think that's that's a pretty beautiful idea where you're just traveling around, you went from room to room, or you want to sit down and watch it somewhere. I think this might be a pretty cool idea. As to what they can take in the market share, it's yet to be determined, but at 35 bucks, I believe it is, a mm -hmm. pop, wouldn't hurt to try it, and you might get a lot of takers. Uh, Mr. Andre, when it comes to devices like this, I mean, it, George is right, it's 35 bucks. So you're undercutting even the Roku by let's say 60 or so, depending on which version of, of the Roku uh, you're going after. How big of a deal is this thing? I think it's huge. Um, right now, it's fairly limited in that you've only got the Google Play, which uh, I've had an Android phone, and my wife has an Android phone. We've had them for, I've had mine for over a year, and she's had hers for six months or so, and uh, neither one of us has ever even considered buying anything from the Play Store other than the app. Uh, but it, with YouTube... Uh, and Netflix, it's something. It's, 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 a, it's a really cheap way to get into that without having to get a bigger box or even uh, have a figure out how to do it on your game system. So uh, I, I, we saw something like this a couple of months back. I talked about it on the AV Ramp podcast. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was the same deal. It was a little dongle, and it was a, there was an, app, uh, like a, an application you downloaded to your Chrome browser that allowed you to whatever video you were looking at on your uh, screen to be sent to the, sent there, and that included everything, just oh. about just about everything. But it was a little bit more expensive, and it was obviously under the radar. And my take on that one was, this is this is great. This is absolutely fantastic. It will not last. <laughs> Someone <laughs> will figure out a way to shut it down for sure, but it will not last. But if Google goes that way with this, so that whatever you're looking at on your your screen or at least a wider range, like Vimeo and uh, other websites. Any, you know, maybe they block specific ones, like uh, Hulu, which of course would be an issue because it's free online, yeah. but you have to pay for the app. Uh, I, I think this could be huge. Now, is that so? You're saying that they should go directly after Apple's little AirPlay model? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they should. They, I don't know why they haven't done that already. I mean, they've already with that ball server thing. They were already doing something along those lines they were going in that direction and then it kind of flopped and you know they're supposed to be coming out with another nexus player thing soon but uh i absolutely think they should be going after this and this is the perfect way to do it 35 dollar dongle yeah i I'm, I'm on it already yeah I, I, I just found out about it i'm, pr I'm trying to order it without <laughs> making to too much noise well there, there's actually a waiting list so <laughs> <sighs> yeah already because it's 35 bucks that's why <laughs> But yeah, get you getting in line and get two. 
So, yeah, uh, really, because yeah, seriously, E-band. the, the uh, yeah, uh, the uh, the barrier to entry here is you know a couple of pizzas and, and a, or a trip to the to the movie theater, depending on you know what uh, metropolitan area you, you live in. Um, uh, Ronnie, when it comes to you know going after Apple in this way, is this maybe a smart move uh, for Google to uh, to get into the home theater market? Well, it, it depends. Um, the more products that Google has, the less focused that they may be on some of the things that they're doing. I mean, we look at businesses that have been very successful. It's because they focus on their core. Uh, once they try to do too many things, maybe they won't do them all as well. Um, however, you know, I could see why to keep up with Apple, Google needs to offer a full suite of services because the key to Apple and what makes Apple so popular with people who don't understand technology is that everything plays well together. And I think if Google wants to compete with Apple, they need to think about, hey, we can't just be, you know, a browser and a search engine. We have to offer a home theater experience because that is what Apple is doing. Um, so, you know, it depends on where they want to position themselves. And uh, as long as they don't make the mistakes that they made with Google TV and with the Nexus Q and say, hey, you know, we really need to do things right in the first place, make it user friendly, make it powerful, make it workable. Um, as we mentioned, this is really not a, an extremely powerful device, but on the Cool Age site where I looked this up at, it mentions that they're giving away a three-month free subscription to Netflix for a one-time $35 purchase. And that's what people are paying for a Netflix subscription anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's in other words, the, the whole the, the net price then is five bucks. Right. For people who don't have Netflix. So even though I don't look at this and say, wow, this is, you know, some big game changer for me, it's just one more thing that I can do with my Android tablet, um, I still look at it as, hey, this is pretty much a free dongle that I'll have for a while and, you know, get three months off of Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nate, is this, should should they be going after Apple? Because they also it also feels like they're going after Microsoft and half a dozen other people. I mean, Ronnie's right when you start, you know, dividing your attention, sometimes uh, you lose your you lose your focus. Yeah, I think that's a good point there by Ronnie about you know losing your focus. But when I look at Chromecast, and I've had a Google TV, I've had a Logitech review with Google TV since 2011. I was definitely one of the first people to try it. Not one of the first, but I was I wanted to try it out and see what what it was about. And uh, to me, Chromecast looks like it's Google TV's little brother, kind of repackaged uh, at face value. I, I haven't done too much research, but uh, it seems like it's got everything Google TV offers or, or brags about. Um, I think the small form factor and the price point is 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 a good thing. I think they, they nailed that because I think a lot of people were hesitant to try Google TV at $300, and I only really considered it uh, with the Logitech review after the price had dropped to about 100 or 120 I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. But uh, $35, I think that's a great way to get their product in, in the door. Yeah, it, it's, it's an incredible. I mean, you, you look at, at all the other set-top box devices, whether it's the Roku or Apple TV or, or any other else. Uh, the, the, I'm not sure what uh, Samsung will, will price the box yet, but Samsung just recently purchased Boxy, and the, ideally either they're going to bake it into some TV somewhere or they're going to, 
make a set top box with that one. 35 bucks is well under all of those. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this thing goes and yeah, if, if Tom actually gets one, we'll, we'll get we'll get his review from the website. Yeah, you're not lying, dude. How that I'm I'm right now trying to figure out a way I can scam my way to the front of this line. So. You should, <laughs> just give them your shoot them a, a link to the to the AV Rant website and say, "Hey, look, just send me a free one." You know? I mean, not yeah, because I'm even too cheap for 35 bucks. <laughs> no, it's not what I meant. <laughs> it is not what because because they'll send out review units before they sell them. So, all right, CE Pro, our buddy Julie Jacobson wrote this. Uh, Microsoft takes another stab at home automation, and mm. I shiver because <laughs> I can imagine a touchscreen somewhere with the blue screen of death. Um, and you know, you Mac folks don't know what the blue screen of death is, but us. Poor schlubs that you know. Oh, but they have this. They have the magic spinning pinwheel. So come on. That's the color, but it's colorful at least. It's not one no, solid true. blue. You know, mass of hey, your computer just took a dump, dude, <laughs> and you lost everything. Yeah, but and if you're a Mac user, you see that pinwheel. Message. What's that? What's that? <laughs> and here's an error message that you will have no. That will in no way help you understand what just happened. <laughs> yes. But we're going to put it up here anyways, just so that we go. Eh. Just we t- because we told you, yeah, we we informed you what happened. Uh, Next time, don't don't do that one XECC five four three thing. Like, oh, you make me sad, PC. You make me sad. I, I think at least with the Microsoft Blue Screen of Death, it's playing dead. With the little <laughs> Apple rotating thing, it's taunting you. Oh, I can still move, but you can't. That is awesome. That is true. I like that. There's always that hope Yes. the spinning wheel thing. There's always that hope. It's like maybe they'll stop. With the blue screen, you kind of knew. It was, uh, it's, it's past. All right. It's gone. So, so, Tom, as, as a Mac user, how long do you, do you hold out that, <laughs> that hope? Because there's a finite amount of time. I mean... When I'm still, when I when I do work on a Mac and it's usually with editing, after like five minutes, I'm like, all right, screw it, I'm done. Oh, I don't wait that long. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I just start. Cl- you know what I wish my Mac could do is uh, Control Alt Alt Delete yes. and get to like a Task Manager thing. That's what I wish I could do on my Mac because that when something like something goes wrong on your your computer starts uh, slowing up on your uh, PC, I just start closing stuff until it until something happens. But this, you just sit there. But I give it about a minute and go, all right. If it's not gonna, then let's just start this whole thing okay. again. I'm, I'm, I'm impatient. Yeah, you're also more experienced with them because that probably makes sense. Uh, so yeah, Microsoft's getting back into home automation. I say back, you know, they're they've tried a couple different things. Um, home OS is apparently running on a PC uh, in your home, and it will control things such as your. Uh, security and your HVAC and this, that, and the other. This sounds an awful lot like AMX, Crestron, you know, take your pick, Aurora. Um, Ronnie, when it comes to the home automation market, um, should Microsoft, not Microsoft, should AMX or Crestron be worried that Microsoft, which let's be honest, is a, is a much bigger company when it comes to the actual bottom line, should they be worried that Microsoft's trying to get into, into home automation? I don't think so. Um, This isn't going to be easy for an end user to do. An end user doesn't have the technical skill or aptitude, even under a Microsoft point and click in Windows, um, to integrate their home. They don't understand serial commands, IR commands. Uh, It's, I don't see this as a game changer. I think this is a waste of Microsoft's time. 
and, uh, and resources. I, I wish I could say otherwise, too, because I am quite a fan of Microsoft Windows. I do, I do use a PC for a lot of things, but uh, I really look at this as a futile effort on their part. I don't see it taking off at all. Yeah. Uh, Nate, is this something you see? Do you see a place for this? Like Ronnie said, you know, a lot, most home users, unless they're avid DIY uh, people, uh, they're not going to get into, you know, trying to figure out the serial, serial code for their TV. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Um, for me, it's, it's interesting, but I'm interested in, like, every new tech thing that comes out. So uh, I, I don't think consumers, I, I agree with Ronnie, I don't think consumers are going to be getting their hands dirty with this type of thing. I think it's way over their heads a lot. But the, the biggest thing that I see is, is the bandwidth issues. I mean, once you start connecting every device in your house and you want to be able to, you know, live stream Fluffy the dog sitting in a crate, um, you know, from work and every, everyone in the neighborhood's doing this. I mean, can our, can our network support this type of thing? And, you know, at what point will, uh, will we run into just network bandwidth issues if we, if we want to really be this connected? Oh, we have plenty of bandwidth. So there's dark there's dark fiber everywhere that's what yeah. <laughs> oh, I, for, I forgot about the dark net the dark fiber dark neck dark neck uh george should, should, i shouldn't even ask this um should microsoft even be going down this road again well the first thing i thought when i read it was you know rocky and bullwinkle oh yeah again oh, the first thing was in my head it really was um, but of course, what are they trying to do? What's everybody trying to do? They're trying to match the, eco the Apple ecosystem model because that's what everybody wants. They are kind of primed, if someone accepts it, to do something pretty kind of cool if they could do it. But they've been doing this home of the future for the last 20 years, and it really hasn't evolved much. I don't think they have the mass market appeal. They don't, people don't see them with that kind of cool factor to be able mm -hmm. to do this with their stuff. No, they don't. So let me ask this though: Is and it's you or or, or Dom or, or Bonnie or Nate? Uh, you say that that they're trying to match Apple. Does Apple have the not the cool factor? I'll give them it all day long, but do they have the the market mind share um, that says you know, oh yeah, Apple can run my home? I, I don't see that. You know, or am I missing something? Do people think that Apple can run their home? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I I would the way that uh, the Apple ecosystem works, at least in my mind, uh, I would not want them their proprietary, you know, playground, you know, to be you know that restrictive in my house. Now, the thing that I kind of like about this this idea of Microsoft getting back into it. First of all, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to have any bearing on custom installers and uh, AMX and Crestron and all of them. I don't really think. Uh, but it, it does offer sort of an alternative to people who are those kind of DIY tweaker types. I, I know a lot of people, I mean, my, I've been in a lot of homes, and it's very, very, very rare that you see anybody that even has their home theater properly set up. I just don't see this as being a very viable market for them in the long term. But as an exercise, as an alternative, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, they're a big company. They throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And if it doesn't yeah. stick, then they move on now that's a good point i didn't even think about that because they have you know they've made things in the past that haven't exactly worked out no but, but have a zoom <laughs> vista i'm sorry <laughs> oh, go ahead ronnie 
<laughs> it is good, though, that Microsoft is forward-thinking. They realize at some point that this is going to be ubiquitous and everybody's going to be doing it. And they are thinking ahead, and, and for that, I'm, I'm happy. Um, and the same thing with Apple. But as Tom pointed out, Apple plays with Apple and nothing else. And nothing else plays with Apple. And Microsoft, if they want to even move forward, they're either going to have to become more open source or more proprietary. Now, one of the things I like about Windows and Microsoft is that it is so open source. It's so easy to interface Microsoft with the rest of the world. But at the same time, there would have to be, in order for this to even really work for me, other than the most hardcore tweakers would be for Microsoft to have a huge database of all the devices out there. That would cost so much to create. I don't see that as cost effective. Um, but as Tom also pointed out, there are a lot of tweakers out there, people who've you know, grown up with uh, Logitech Harmonies and universal device controllers and you know, other low-end control solutions that are willing to go in and get dirty. Um, and, you know, there will be a small number of those that embrace this. So I think, you know, Microsoft is probably doing kind of a half-hearted effort. At least that's how I perceive it. This looks to me like a half measure. It's, you know, they didn't go all out and create RS-232 uh, LAN devices that you could plug into your, you know, your cameras or IR LAN devices that you could plug into your home theater. Uh, I'm thinking low end here because yeah. nobody in the high end is going to go with this. But, you know, they didn't create the interfaces that would be needed for this to be fully implemented. There isn't shade and drape control. There isn't lighting control. So until they come out with the full suite of products or partner up with one of the countless companies that make an overpriced USB or LAN to... IR-232 or relay device, it's not going anywhere. So that you're just saying that they just kind of stuck their head above the water and said, hey, you know, what's what's it like in here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, guys, get ready for the 4K talk. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Steal yourself. Yes. If you don't like 4K, just stop the podcast now and, you know, <laughs> go do something productive. Uh, this is from CNET. <laughs> South Korea launches 4K broadcast ahead of Japan. Ha! Stick it to Got the, you. Stick it to the Tokyo guys. That's it. Go South Korea. Um, uh, South Korea, the Korean Cable Television and Telecommunications Association, has launched its pilot. I say pilot. 4K uh, channel six months ahead of its schedule and before Japan did. Uh, I mentioned that because uh, NHK has actually uh, broadcast um, 4K and 8K uh, over the air at short distances, but these guys have actually dedicated an entire channel to this. Um, Tom, we'll start with you on this. First of all, how excited or, or not are you about 4K in general? And how willing will broadcasters be to get on this bandwagon when they got burned with the 3D stations? Yeah, well, 4K is 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 easier, I think, for broadcasters to liken to 1080p than it is to 3D. Okay. So, from I, at least from my perspective, I, 4K, whether we like it or not, is going to be something that people are going to end up having. Not right now. Uh, I think it's a little early to be launching channels, but you know. 
not right now, but as people buy more TVs, unlike uh, 3D, which you may not ever use, and even if there is an ESPN 3D channel, uh, 4K is something that's going to be used one way or the other. So, you know, I personally, I'm, it, it, to me, it's just something to, to hold us over until they come out with a holodeck or something because there's, <laughs> there's really no reason for it. Uh, the, the people that can really benefit from 4K are the people who put their nose on screens. And those are designers and people who are working with large screens very close to them and, you know, that sort of thing. I, most TVs, most people's houses that you walk into, you look, look at the distance that they were sitting from their, their TVs to begin with, they'd have to have something immense, maybe even bigger than the wall that, they are, that, uh, that the TV would be on in order for 4K to really make a difference in their lives. So they could see the difference. 1080p for most people is going to be fine, but we are, it is going to come. It is going to be there, and we are going to all upgrade to it because that's what's going to be available. Uh, you can't really buy a standard definition set right now. Uh, unless you really, really tried. And that's going to be the same way with 4K in a couple of years. Yeah, and they're expensive, too. <laughs> Trust me. I've oh, tried. yeah. Four, well, 4000 What The Vizio is the cheapest one out there right yeah. now, it's for, if, if that's even hit yet, and that's four grand. So, um, yeah, we're, it, it, it's coming in considerably less expensive than the plasmas when they first hit. Yeah. But uh, they're still pretty pricey. Well, no, no, the 4K, I was, I was talking about the standards. If you can find a standard definition TV, you're going to pay for it. Oh, right. No doubt. Yeah. No, there was actually um, sometime this week, and I, I didn't pick it up because it was a 4K story. Um, there's actually one under $1,000 now for 50 inches. Um, really? Yeah, I'll have to find it here and, and give you guys the link. It was, yeah, it was remarkable. Uh, and nobody, nobody major, but still, it's, it, it's an, a sub $1,000 um, 4K. Uh, big, uh, I almost called you Big Nate. <laughs> Nate, um, <laughs> Uh, how, I mean, are, are we getting to the point, like, like Tom said, I mean, we, this is where we're going to end up eventually. Um, but is it a little bit early to be, you know, putting channels together? Uh, yeah, I mean, somebody has got to be the first one to do it. So I, I think my big takeaway, you know, hearing that South Korea was going to launch their pilot plan or pilot channel for a 4k, um, in 2014, I think that's, that's kind of, um, maybe a timeline marker, a way for us to kind of sense, you know, okay, how far is this from really happening? Um, and it seems like, you know, as Tom said, we do, we do have a little ways to go in terms of 4K television broadcasts, but in other uh, niche markets like, like the one that I work in, in medical, uh, I think there will be some early adopters of 4K technology that doesn't have to be broadcast and it doesn't necessarily have um, digital copyright issues or anything like that, that, um, you know, if you're a doctor and you're looking inside somebody with a scope uh, and you're sticking your nose right on that, that screen, and I think that's, where, that, that's a good case to make, uh, you know, for the, for the extra pixels of, of detail. Um, so I think there are some, some niche markets that will, you know, jump on 4K right now, um, but it does seem to be a few years down the road before... Uh, you start seeing these in everybody's house. That is actually the one of the one of the few use cases that I have been told by people much smarter than me uh, that they can see a use case for 4K right this very second, and that is medical because you're right. Uh, higher resolution, you know, you can get more detail, and the doctors, like you said, can drill down a lot farther uh, into uh, well into <laughs> into your body, as it were. Um, yeah. 
Ronnie, are we are we in, in, invariably headed down the 4K mark? And, and if so, is that a big deal? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was sleeping. What were you That's, saying? Oh, geez. Um, thank no, you. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, 4K is... is coming and the manufacturers in Korea are forcing it by you know making these 4k TVs at some point TVs are going to come 4k whether we want them or not there aren't other niches I can think of where you know 4k could be useful um, in manufacturing with microcontrollers uh, looking at microscopic you know whether it's bacteria in a lab or electronics in a factory um, so there are niche specific applications that can use it at some point, it's it's just going to get thrown in as a given, as one of those features that we really don't need, but we have anyway. Um, like we can all on everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly right, right? Netflix is on everything, whether you like it or not, and people will or won't use it. But this is exactly like you said; it's going to be in every set. Um, also, theaters could take advantage of it immediately, but more in a projection, you know, than a flat screen. So there's, there is a need for 4K for just small segments of the industry. But as Tom and Nate pointed out, nobody's going to put this in their house right now, and, and not at a higher cost. Um, there's just no justification. Well, and that's the other thing that, that, again, these smarter people than me have said, is the fact that to really get the benefit out of 4K, you have to have a ginormous, ginormous uh, display to even see the difference it's almost like back uh, when when we were comparing 720p to 1080p uh, the fact that at some point uh, the the smaller the size the way you, you couldn't tell the difference between 720 and 1080 you know they're saying you have to have a really big screen for 4k so yeah have you ever seen one Tim have you four, ever? I saw um, Sony's OLED 4k at Infocom this year in Orlando okay. and yeah, I, I, I saw them quite a few years ago at CES when they they were like behind veils and stuff yes. like that. And it really was. I mean, it was like a 50, 60 inch screen. You really could put your nose on it before you would see, uh, see pixels. And you're absolutely right. It takes a huge, huge screen and you have to be sitting awfully close to it. That's why we're seeing people like LG and some of the other ones putting out curved screens because they, I guess they assume you're going to be sitting in your <laughs> one chair. Yeah. You know, your love seat directly in front of the thing because that's about how you how close you can sit before you start seeing pixels yeah and that's see and that's the thing is you you've got to i don't know there are so many weird weird different i mean there are different segments of this industry that could be this could this could be used in but they are so small that it, it almost you know i mean you look at the vast majority of what people put in you're talking about boardrooms and people's homes right and then education this is not going to be used there, guys. I mean, unless it's, you know, the CEO of, of General Motors and he wants to spend $10 million on his boardroom uh, and just wants it because he wants it. Um, maybe I shouldn't have used General Motors. Anyhow. Uh, but um, you get the idea. They're not going to be putting this into homes. They'll put them into, into million-dollar homes and to, into medical facilities, absolutely, and, you know, big theaters and, and big installations like that. So, and From a consumer side, um, think about when High Definition came out, or even DVDs versus VCRs, when yeah. those started hitting. When you walked into somebody's house and you saw the difference, it was immediate and it was uh, visceral. You would look at it and go, that is better than what I have. Yes. I would like to upgrade. This is not what's going to happen with 4K. You're going to walk into somebody's house and say, I got a new 4K set. And you're going to go, okay, it's, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Congratulations. Good for you. You know, it's that's big. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, I, the bigness is what's going to, that's what they're going to say. I got a new bigger TV. Yes. They're not going to say I got a new bigger TV and it's 4K. Or they're not going to say I have a new 4K TV. They're going to say I got a new big TV. Well, they so. might be impressed when you, you go over to their house and the March Madness is going on. And you can actually put four different games right next to each other on the same display yeah. of the windowing processor. That, that's the only thing I think would be, that, well, at least if I had a 4K display, yeah. that's probably how I'd try to use it. But Yeah. Four, four, actu four actual, you know, 1080p signals. 1080p, so. yeah. Uh, George, by the way, the the the, line, the name of the TV uh, manufacturer that has the sub thousand dollar is TCL. So, um, yeah. Oh, TCL, of course. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course. You, you have five of them, don't you? Uh, George, oh, I had lunch with them. Old yeah, yeah, friends, yeah. really. Lunch, yeah. <laughs> they made a dongle that I. I yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. George, are we ready for uh, for H or uh, for ESPN 4K? The Ocho, the Ocho, no. yes, the Ocho. The Ocho. <laughs> we gotta get the eight, people. We gotta get the eight. <laughs> All that matters. They then yes, they well. will, and they will. Yes, Ocho, the Ocho, the Ocho. Well, I mean, look, Korea is uh, South Korea is a bellwether, aren't they? I mean, a lot of stuff we just said about eh, I don't know, and we said the same thing about the Koreans with their smartphones and with their little mini computers in our hands. And nah, we'll never really get to that point. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have this, whatever. I think the amazing part of this, let me say that right, the amazing part of this is that they're saying they can offer it over a cable. Yep. Not broadcast off air, not in any other way. They're doing it through a cable. And I think they want to do it so they can show it off for the FIFA stuff. I think that's something I read that in one of the other articles that I could find about this. Yeah. So as Korea goes, so does most of the world with electronics these days. And that's something to keep in mind. I mean, look, they also showed us the gaming paranoia and the people spending too much time online. And they were the very first country to show this. So a lot of what they're doing, they've got the infrastructure for it. They rebuilt from the ground up many, many decades ago. They're, they're going to show the way. And as much as we say, man, maybe not so much, not so soon, they'll push it. Like you said, they can manufacture it. They're going to push it. We'll see it sooner than later, is my opinion. All right. Yay. And 4K. Starcraft, Yay. Starcraft will never look so good. No, no. <laughs> neither, neither will World of Warcraft. Oh, World of Warcraft. All right. Mm. Uh, you're listening to AV Week, not a gaming show. Uh, with Tom Entry from AV Ramp. George Tucker from World Stage. Ronnie and Spang and Big Nate Nate Schneider from Image Stream Medical. George called this the our theremin story. So, um, leap motion. Tom, did you see, seriously say you were supposed to get one of these? Yeah, I pre-ordered it. I uh, pre-ordered it a, a million years ago. A leap, and, and this still hasn't come. Well, uh, yeah, they had their yeah. I actually knew that I, my my I because I, I, I was supposed to get it when I was in Australia, and they were shipping it to my in-laws' house and they were going to mail it to me that sort of thing. So when I got back to the states and they still hadn't shipped the thing, I went in, went onto their system and changed my address and everything, and then they somehow lost all that. And then so I don't know when it's coming or where it's going or anything, but I have not received it yet. But I am very excited about it. Yeah, it's this kind of cool. What it is it's it's the Leap Motion controller? Um, well, it's it's a hands-off controller and um it's basically it's a it's a it's for your computer um and it's a way to gesture i guess george is the best way to yeah. put it yeah um <laughs> he's excited he is excited 
I am not a gesture. I know. Times. I think I know what gesture he's making. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> There's a reason he's not on video. Uh, so, Tom, well, let, let me ask you this, because you're the only one in here that's, that's purchased it. Why did you purchase it? Well, this is the kind of technology that uh, I normally would not get behind because like the Connect and uh, the Wii and all the rest of those things, I just didn't really see the value in it. Whereas this, it wasn't too expensive. I think it was like 100 bucks is what the pre-order price was. And uh, the potential, I thought, was much greater. It gives you that sort of basically, you know, there's a, it's a little small rectangular-ish like bar you put it on your desk in front of you and then uh it has a huge a fairly large area that it scans directly above it and it can track each one of your fingers individually i don't know why it would need to because i'm not playing piano on it but maybe theoretically you could this uh and with that tracking it was able to do multi multi-touch type motions to control your computer i thought it would be an interesting addition to uh, to my computer and the way I plan on using it is by taking some of the very rote uh, uh, things that I do that take one, two, three, four clicks and turn them into a motion mm. uh, or some sort of gesture that I can make in order to uh, to do those things. So like on your iPad where you do the five finger, you know, pinch together, or, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But for my computer. Um, and, uh, for me, it was worth it for that. And plus the novelty aspect of it. Will I use it that much? I don't know, but it felt like when I was reading it, probably the best thought out, uh, of this type of device and this type of interface. So, um, it wasn't trying to be some sort of gaming revolution. It wasn't trying to be, you know, uh, anything other than just a neat little peripheral to control your computer in a new and exciting way. It looks like you could type, not play piano, but it looks like you could almost type on nothing uh, because yeah. it's, it's, it's tracking all your fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, George, is this something where we could, you know, interface, you know, this with, you know, either a Crestron or an Extron or some sort of, of other control device? Well, obviously you, probably could but right now it's limited to just being on a desktop uh, and I'm not sure why that is maybe it's the type of camera or the software they haven't worked out all of the logarithms to be able to go vertical or something in the different planes uh, which makes me suspect that it's not actually theremin like because the theremin <laughs> lets you have different <laughs> levels you know you can sort of break it somewhere and keep it different levels but um, I'm mixed on it because I and as the Gizmodo article about this mentioned it's kind of nifty, but having to keep your hand in a certain position becomes sort of tiresome. So using it for a complete, like I'm going to swipe all day long to browse the web or do something, or even for, like you said, the keypad, the keyboard, unless I'm doing it on, the, on a solid object, I'm not keeping my hands up there with the, with the invisible piano or the visible keyboard. And my, yeah. you know, it's going to get irksome, to say the least. Yeah, painful, Does it happen? I think is the right word. Painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I could, can I claim that on disability? I was going to say you could get carpal. You know? it, could, it could be a, 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 a no, a treatment for carpal tunnel. You know, you don't have to do that. You could do never mind. Uh. Maybe, maybe. So, am I intrigued by it? Yes. I don't think it has nearly as much potential as the Connect uh, sensors do, but maybe in combination. Let's go say you need that dimensionality, that space. Yeah, they do, and and maybe they because there are tons of people who have hacked uh, Connects. Maybe mm. some of those could hack this and and combine the two. Yeah. So. 
Uh, Nate, is this something that that is worthwhile for either you know controllers or just you know running your running your computer? Yeah, you know, from the AV integration side of things, I mean, a lot of what we do is making life convenient for people. Um, but I think there's also, uh, I think this also has the potential to go beyond that. And what came to mind, I have a friend who happens to be paralyzed from the shoulders down. And I was just wondering if maybe this could go more than just being convenient, but somehow enhance the quality of life for individuals that happen to be disabled. Um, you know, for example, you could only lift your, your, uh, only move your arm by using the muscles in your shoulder. You're very limited as to what you can do with your fingers, but I just wonder if this could open the door for accessibility to, to some people. Um, that, that was, that was really the, the big takeaway I got from it, but, um, I don't think you're going to see these replacing physical touch panels across the board. Um, but it will be neat to see what happens with, uh, this technology. Yeah. Ronnie, is this uh, a closer step to computers like the one that was in Minority Report and other uh, other future-aged computer interfaces? Well, this this is as much of a step towards that. You know, it's a baby step. It's a long way. We're a long way. And of course, every time somebody talks about you know sensing gestures, that's we always think about Minority Report because, I mean, we all want that. Um, so, you know, sure, this is a step in the right direction, and eventually it'll get there, whether or not, that you know, Leap will be the one to get it there, connect or combination or somebody new. We don't really know. Um, I look at this in the meantime, what's happening is a few people are going to enjoy this. It'll be like the old Wacom styluses and uh, tablets. I used to have one of those. Used to be able to freehand draw whatever I wanted, save it in a computer. Uh, or Dragon, naturally speaking. I mean, I tried an early version of that. wasn't really my thing, but I knew people who used it a lot. Um, like the Wacom tablet and stylus and Dragon, naturally speaking, there will be people who will embrace it and follow it through its iterations. I think the mass market in general is probably going to continue with the good old-fashioned mouse and keyboard until this gets a little better. If I could add one thing, I, I, I see that this could really go well with um, laptops. Hmm. Um, you know, like right below or right above where the little trackpad is, putting a, putting a little leap motion uh, sensor so that you can, you know, I know we're going towards more, you know, to laptops that are touch screen, uh, but this is an alternative to that, that could be an alternative to that, to, that give you that additional ability to control uh, your laptop in a, a different way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I didn't think about that. Um, also from CE Pro, Kaleidoscape. Yay! <laughs> Sell your house and your children and go buy a, <laughs> go buy a media server. Uh, children won't do it. I've yeah. tried. They don't, you, they, don't, they don't fetch as much as you think. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a five-year-old boy. He's, you know... Um, my wife saw something online the other day. A boy is nothing but a... Uh, a, a what was it? A mound of dirt that makes noise. Uh, so that's about, that's about it. Uh, did Julie write? No, Grant Grant Clauser, uh, our buddy Grant wrote this one. So, Kaleidoscape, and if you don't know who they are, they're a high end, and I emphasize the word high high end right. media server. Uh, they've had some legal wranglings in the past with ripping Blu-rays, and they, I, honestly, I, I have to give them credit for that because that is one cool thing that they've done, at least for 
the industry and, and, and for, you know, the consumer is they've actually gone to bat about for stuff like ripping Blu-rays and, and, and storing them on servers. Um, not entirely crazy with the outcome of that because you still have to fi- have the physical disc and all that jazz. But they have a new DIY media server. And the thing that makes it remarkable um, for Kaleidoscape is the fact that it's $4,000, uh, actually thirty nine ninety five. Uh, which is unique for them because, again, they're, before this, their entry level was about $20,000. So for only $4,000, you can get into the Kaleidoscape uh, ecosystem. Uh, Tom, is this maybe Kaleidoscape's attempt to garner, not the lower end, because this is, I mean, I don't even live here yet. I, 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 I probably wouldn't, wouldn't purchase this. I'm still... You know, using a a a Western Digital you know media server with a with a external drive, but is this their attempt to you know get into you know not the high end but like maybe the medium end the media the middle end of of home home theater? You gotta see it that way. They're selling them through. They're gonna be selling them through Magnolia stores within Best Buy's. Yeah. So this is targeted. Yeah, indirect, and this is targeted squarely. Uh, at people who have looked at Kaleidoscape and gone, boy, that looks awesome. No, I'm not going to s- not have a car. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, this this is... And the thing that's so great about Kaleidoscape, you know, and yes, you're right, they, they, they went to bat about the Blu-rays. They did it with DVDs even before that. They have been yeah. in lots of lawsuits in order to be able to do what they want, which is to rip movies to their servers. And they've had to get some, you know, some going around to get there, but... Uh, the thing that's so great is that they've got all these years of, of infrastructure as far as their metadata and their interface. And that interface and that, that experience is what is going to sell this product. Because people, when they get into it and they touch it and they interface with it for the first time, they're going to go, it's really expensive. But it's not that expensive. Yeah. And it's really cool. And it's almost... It's almost as cool as it is expensive. And then when you add on top of it their brand, pretty much brand new download service, which is exclusive to them, mm-hmm. and you download Blu-ray quality movies, not some compressed thing that may be resized. It's not streamed over Netflix. It's, you know, this is, is the exact same quality and sound that you're going to get off a Blu-ray disc. People are going to see value in that. Yeah. Uh, Nate, is this kind of um, well? Let's it, it, as, as Tom was talking, and it kind of came to be. This is almost like the Tesla model. Stick with me for a second here. Okay. Tes- Tesla's <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a long way around. Tesla's right. very first uh, car was a sports car. It was very expensive. It was this, that, and the other. And their business model, if you, if you listen to the the CEO of Tesla. Tesla's an all-electric car, if you don't know that. Um, I thought you were talking about Nikolai Tesla. Well, no, he's cool, too. Yeah, he's, he's awesome, too. Uh, the Tesla cars, as as they make more money and as they develop, they're going to start making lower and lower-end automobiles for the mass market. The next car they're going to, to make is a mid-size sedan. It will be uh, around dollars $60,000, which is less than their sports car. And the third model, they're, they're aiming for a thirty dollars to $40,000 price. So is this maybe Kaleidoscape? I'm not saying they, they borrowed the model, but is that, do you see that maybe is, am I making sense? Does that, does that make sense? 
No, I think I get your correlation there. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere and then work your way down. Uh, or up. You know, <laughs> yeah, work your way up. You know, but the the market has to be there, and you you have to solve people's problems for a fair price for something to really be successful. And um, it's it, I guess I'm not overly familiar with Kaleidoscape. It sounds like Tom has actually uh, you know seen some of these and maybe installed them or used them. Um, but um, I, I guess the thing that that I'm wondering right now is is what is the big value add over you know something like Plex a Plex application with a two hundred dollar DLNA compliant network attached storage uh, streaming to your TV I mean um, I, I guess if I'm gonna pay ten grand for a system uh, I guess I need to understand more about this awesome experience it's um, really cool <laughs> oh, no it really is the, the interface on this is really cool yeah, it is. It's, uh, and I've known people too that have been, you know, they're they're not uh, they're not extremely rich or anything, but they want to have that sort of experience that you have when you're at a, you know, hotel, but better. You know, the hotels where they have the the movies and you can choose the on demand and all that. They see something like this and they just they get it. And it's it's they're not the type of people that are going to set up uh, a, a home server. They're not the kind of people that are going to tweak something like a. a you know, DLNA system. Um, they've just, you know, I mean, the, everybody that I know that has an HTPC, they're always talking about, oh, I had to go in and change these file names so that the Batman movies would all line up. And, you know, because if not, then Batman Begins is here and Dark Knight is over there. Yeah, that's and, true. You know, it, yeah, I want them to be together. And, and that's just not something a lot of people are willing to do. $4,000 is a lot of money. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but... I I think that there's that, that people are gonna that there's gonna be enough of a market. Tim, if if you don't mind me yeah. addressing your your last point, I really don't see this as as the Tesla model at all. Okay. I see this as they went. We, you know, we've been serving this high end for a really long time. We're fine, but why are we ignoring everybody else? We need to start hmm. thinking outside of this box. And I. If, it, if I was a fly on the boardroom, I bet the conversation all these years has been if we go and, and service the lower, you know, put out a smaller box and, and you know, we're going to lose, we're going to water down our brand, we're going to lose our exclusivity, we're going to lose some of that clout that we have, that argument has finally been lost. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. But they probably, to, if they, that, then that means they probably won't come out with a $500 box then. I doubt it. Yeah, because this is probably the lowest in that they'll go. So, uh, Ronnie, is this a, a big deal for the market in general? I mean, that's not just is it Kali Escape, but it's also another pretty good, uh, especially if it's if it's you know anything like the other Kali Escapes, a pretty good uh, media server. Well, I don't know about the quality of this particular model, but one thing that all of us who've been lucky enough to do a few high-end residences have found out. Kaleidoscape is reliable, it's durable, it's well-made, it's well put together. Um, they're so easy to work with, so easy to use. People see this, they love it, they want it. Um, there's only so many high net worth people that, you know, the market's only so big for a $20,000 box. So, you know, at $20,000, people are saying, okay, do I have a place to live or do I have a Kaleidoscape? Now, at $4,000, we can say, you know what, we're not going to eat for a year. 
and we're going to get this box. No, I, I'm just kidding. Okay, but they're, they're half a year. Um, they're, I was going to uh, say four grand. <laughs> you better learn to love ramen noodles for at least That's a month. That's a lot of beans. That's a lot. Right. Of beans. <laughs> well, you you also have to look at you you want to connect this to the DV700 disc vault, which is another 5,500. So you're still up around 10 grand for this entry level price point. But it's going to introduce that quality, durable, reliable, wonderful experience to another market. Now, finally, some middle class people can start to get these, not me, but, you know, um, people who maybe are at, you know, a little bit higher level on the food chain um, can start to get these. And once they get one of these and once they play with one, they're going to be hooked. Um, I remember years ago before Blu-ray. I, I would tell everybody I know, man, you should see a Kaleidoscape. These things are just amazing. I mean, they're fun. They, they actually make looking for a movie enjoyable. And there's no other server, not Ashant, not Request, not Ziva, nobody has anything that can even compare. And I think that Kaleidoscape was smart to make this because they're going to start cutting into the profit of their competitors. And their competitors are either going to have to step up the quality, the durability, the reliability, oh yeah, and make it more user-friendly, or this is going to put a hurt in their profit. Did you hear that? Ronnie's calling you out there. you got to <laughs> step it up here. Uh, George, is this a huge deal? I mean, it feels big to me because, you know, I, like Ronnie, I, I, I've never put one in, but I've seen them in action before, and oh my goodness. Um, not kidding about the user interface. It is really sexy. It's it's one of the, those where you go, that's just something I, I'd love. I mean, Tom's right. For people who just get it, that is the the standard. Uh, but the fact that they've they've come down to a, a uh, more reasonable area, I guess, is that a big deal? At first, you know, I, at first I thought it really was. And while I still think it's an interesting move, especially going through Magnolia and direct sales, which is really the big deal there. Adding that that damn carousel, and I know they have to do it, really puts a lot of people out of the market. It would put me out of the market, definitely. I mean, as a standalone single room, and you can download, and no one's really talked about that, it has an option for downloading movies from their service. They only have one. I think it's TriStar Films at this point. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but there's a huge potential there. I don't have to have the disc player then. I don't have to have certain stuff. I can download it to the onboard storage because it comes from that cloud service. And that's my only thing that bothers me, is that if they do that, there'll be a host of other players that almost already do this and will do it very shortly. I mean, Apple does it mostly for the, the most part at this mm -hmm. point, right? That They're really not going to get that lower mid-market. They're going to be in that market where I have a Kaleidoscape at home, the big monster. I have a summer home or someplace that I'm using, and that's where I want it for the kids' room, you know, in that upper market. Is it revolutionary? Yes. I can see a lot of... If you read the comments on the CE Pro site from the installers who saw this coming, the rage, you can cut it with a knife. Yeah, yeah. But and I think from their standpoint, I don't think... I, I think they're missing it. I think that they're missing an, an incredible opportunity because now you've got, you know, let's say that, that they have a, a device that they can give people that you're right, wouldn't step into a Kaleidoscape nine times out of ten because they simply don't have it in their budget. No, I don't have $20,000, but do I have five? Sure, absolutely. I'm already paying you to come in and put in, you know, an Aurora, a, a, an Aurora, but Aurora or an MX or a Crestron system, 
and you're telling me for for four or five thousand dollars more, I can have you know six hundred standard definition DVDs. Okay, but I'm it, good. Yeah, no, yeah. All right, but are they really buy it for their SD DVDs? I don't know. It's the Blu-ray that's attractive to it, yeah, no? I think it's both. I mean, you, you tell people that they could put the, all their entire uh, DVD collection on one box. I mean, that's... You're talking to a kid with a guy with, with a six-year-old and a, and a five-year-old, or a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. They use my DVDs as, as, as uh, Frisbees. So, yes, I would love to. But aren't they really going on Netflix? Uh, they're doing that, too. But I can't tell you how many yeah. times I've, I've purchased, you know, uh, Toy Story 2. Uh, uh. Too many times. I don't <laughs> I know. Say, I, I mean, think, I think once was too many times. Way. <laughs> I'll give what you. Really... I'll give you two. Wasn't the best of the three, but have you guys read to me? Have you guys read about the the blog that says that all of those movies actually occur in a sequential time frame? All of huh? those sort of movies, cars and. Uh, toys and all uh, all those movies. There's this great blog about how it shows you the evolution in, a, in an alternate universe from the beginning of time and the evolution of different animals because of man's like you know going out of uh, out of favor on the earth and then coming back. I'll find it for you. It's a hysterical. It's a stretch. Really? It's a, but it's but it's a hysterical blog about. It's almost possible that somebody it, thought about this. It sounds like a remarkable. It sounds like art. the basis of some weird religion somewhere. So. Yeah, you know, like a cargo uh, cult or yes. something. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up here, shall we? Arrow is bringing <laughs> online TV to Utah, and he the does. three people that listened to this show in Utah <laughs> went, "Yay!" <laughs> Actually, the 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 uh, uh, pod tracker doesn't tell us by state, does it? Does it, George? Just by country. Oh, I don't so, remember. Yeah, yeah just by country. By country. Yeah. So I have no idea how many people listen to us in Utah. But good for you guys. Um, are you guys are you guys all familiar with what Arrow is and what it does? Um, yeah, yeah. I was I was looking this up. So basically, Arrow, uh, it, it, they have their own dedicated uh, ATSC tuners to catch uh, channels, HD channels that are mm -hmm. broadcast digitally over the air, but. Instead of sending it to your TV, it goes to a DVR in a server farm somewhere that you remote into. So essentially, it's like live TV on demand, kind of in a Netflix-type delivery package. Yep. And, um, you know, for me, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a cord cutter. I, I haven't had cable since like 2009 or, or before. We just tune into channels off the air and have Netflix, and that's great. And um, so... To me, this seems like somebody kind of selling bottled water. It's something you're already getting, but you're going to pay for it, maybe out of convenience. So it, it's interesting to me, but the, the biggest thing in the, in the frequently asked questions on Arrow's website was it says you can use Arrow anywhere within your home coverage area. Yeah. And, and that was the big, big thing for me because I think it would be pretty cool to tune into locally broadcast uh, you know, maybe football games, college football games, and the Big 12 and the Pac-12, the Big 10, SEC, stuff that's not broadcast here, where in, in New England on the East Coast, you know, Channel 38 carries the ACC college games. So uh, there must be some laws or something against doing that that maybe I'm not familiar with. Well, what's interesting... Oh, blackout rules. Well, yeah, yeah. That, not, not just that, but what's interesting about Arrow is Arrow is doing what cable companies started doing. Um, if you don't know where, the way cable companies started was the fact that you've got places that could not get direct line of sight um, transmission from transmitter towers. And so what, what 
cable companies, how they started was you got some guy that's up high on a hill and you've got the town down in the valley who can't get, you know, the NBC channel. So he goes, okay. Uh, He grabs it off the air, encodes it, uh, modulates it, and sends it on a cable down to the town below that can't get it. Mm. Uh, and that was that was back in the fifties and the sixties. I mean, this is you know this is this was how it started. Really, was servicing people who could not get you know direct line of sight uh, transmissions. So I, I think it's a great thing, and I think that's probably where why they're doing what they're doing the way they're doing it is to kind of mimic that. And so because the case law has already been made, right? The the, the, the FCC has already made you know put all these rules in in in, in place. Uh, for the cable systems, I mean, the fact that you have to have, you know, a, a local access and this, that, and the other after after so many uh, subscribers and this, that, and the other. So they're just following that that model. So I think it's cool. No, it's a big success for them, too. This is a state that that really needs to be in, that yeah. kind of mountainous state mm-hmm. where they really knew repeaters and the new digital signals don't go nearly as far. Nope. This is a boon for both yeah. the company and the people. Yeah. I remember when they first came out. I mean, there uh, there's a lot of people that try to use antennas, um, and either they get real cheap ones and can't get very many. Like my brother-in-law, I'm in I'm in St. Petersburg, right near Tampa. We get there's a, there's a station I could walk to from my house. Uh, it'd be a long walk, but I could get there. <laughs> and my my brother-in-law, he only lives a couple of miles down the road, and he's just got some rabbit ears or whatever. All he can get is PBS. I know for a fact that there's probably 30, 40 channels in here. I bought a digital antenna so that I can get it. I just haven't. I just set up my home theater this week, so I'm I'm still getting everything set up in there. But you know, the, this is for people that just can't get those channels, you know, off the air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You talk about topo- uh, topography of the land. There's also skyscrapers to deal with. There's, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what kind of building you have, what's around you. You know, it, there's people in apartments. There's, this, is, this is really, it's a, it's, a, it's a real nice, good service that uh, I hope takes off. I know they've, they've already gotten challenged a couple times legally, and I know they've won. Yeah. So they're, they're definitely on the right track. But they're going to be looking for loopholes. They're going to be looking for ways to uh, to, to take them down because you know the cable companies and everybody else is they're, they're where they're worried and they should be well, because if you can get your over the air stuff this easily, cord cutting has become more ep- epidemic than it already is. Well, the, one of the one of the on Arrow's website, which is a e r e o dot com, is Roku, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm good, honestly, because that is the last little piece is the live stuff uh at least for me and i'm in st louis right i'm in i'm in market like you know 25 now i think is the last time i checked which is incredibly depressing because when i was in radio we were like 18 or 17 so in the last six years we've we've plummeted into the 20s which is horrible uh but tom is right when you look at 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 sky you look at apartment buildings right in in new york which you know i've never lived there but i can only imagine the fact that you know you've got hundreds of probably thousands of, of apartment buildings, you have two choices, right? You either you know get cable or you convince your superintendent to let you run a antenna all the way up to the top of the of the roof. I mean, yeah, you could hang it out the window, but good lord, yeah, there's <laughs> lots of dish dishes actually out there. Yeah, you see them hanging well, off the sides of buildings. Yeah, yeah. but, but it is a canyon. A lot of New York is canyons, just like Utah, right. except they're man-made, and you don't get a lot of the off-air signals, definitely. Yeah. 
All right, Ronnie, are you you're in you're on the West Coast, aren't you? Yes, I am. All right, so you 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 don't have this problem, so. Well, I mean, right. there are mountainous areas. In fact, I own some land out in the mountains where, Ooh. you know, signal can be a problem. But certainly down here in the city, I get fantastic signal. Yeah, I just I I thought it was cool the fact that that they were hitting Utah, and I unfortunately typed in my zip code, and yeah, they're nowhere near me. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although speaking of the Roku, they, they, there are a couple channels that you can watch. Uh, you can watch the BBC Live, uh, the BBC, the the UK version of BBC Live, which I just geek out on because it's cool. So <laughs> my wife. Well, I mean, again, let's remember that what Arrow is good at is getting you your local off-air channels for those who are cable cutting and want their Roku box, but you still want the local news. Yes. And the local teams occasionally, but no one, you know, all the local teams are on some special network now that you can't get off air anyway. Well, so. no, I mean, even in, you know, even in St. Louis where, you know, we have the L.A. Rams, which will move shortly. Um, <laughs> just, you know, just joking. No, they, they really are going to move again back to L.A. Um, they still have the Fox and the CBS games every Sunday, right? Um, both of them have a noon and a three o'clock game for us in Central. Um and you, if you have, if you if you don't have those, um, then you can, you know, you're you're right, George. You do you can't watch anyplace else. And then the Sunday night game, which is on NBC, and then the Monday night game, that one's on ESPN. So that really the it, and I'm obviously only talking football here, guys. But um, that pretty much is the only the only exception is that's the only one that's on a cable only channel. Um, but if football ever wises wises up and and does what baseball does, oh baby. Yeah. Have you ever guys seen the 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 uh, base the MLB app and and what you can purchase? Oh yeah, I did. I wrote something about that. It's been a while, right? It's been out for a bit, hasn't it's it? Been around for out for a couple of years now. For a yeah. hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty bucks a year, you get every game, any game, on a bunch of different devices, and the cool geeky you know broadcaster in me. Um, so if you're watching Cubs and Cards game, I apologize, I'm in St. Louis. Um, I can pick between uh, WGN and Fox Sports Midwest uh, to see who I want to listen to uh, call the game. So, I mean, that right there is cool. I mean, and I'm a huge Bears fan. I would rather watch the Bears than, than watch the, the Rams any day of the week. And so if, if, if NFL ever gave me that option, I'd pay every bit of $120, $130 a year. I'd actually pay 200 bucks a year to be able to do that. So. There's a, when I was in Australia, there's a, a, there's a lot of people in the motorcycles there, but they had a huge uh, uh, dry, a rider named Casey Stoner who in uh, MotoGP was dominating the league. So they were playing a lot of that stuff on uh, TV because, you know, he was so big. Well, I came back here and MotoGP isn't really shown uh, very much. It's like a highlights if you're lucky. Uh, so I went online and looked it up. They have a service that's just like that, except... You pay whatever it is that you pay, and you can you can either watch you can just watch it online, or you pay extra, and then you get a bunch of ex, uh, other stuff, including multiple cameras that you oh. can switch between as you're watching. You DVR like stuff. You can you can rewind. I mean, it is really cool. And offering a service, we are so off base now, but <laughs> offering a service like that, it, when you have a product like a sporting event to people who are rabid fans, which many people are. You know, I mean, they, they geek out. They're like, did you say multiple cameras? Like, yeah. more than one? I'm like, yeah, you can listen to them. You can listen to the, the guys who normally call it. Then you can switch back and look in the – you can watch them before 
the match. You can switch between different cameras in the different pit areas for the top riders. It's intense, man. I mean, it, it's really kind of cool, and I like seeing that sort of stuff, which is in no way connected to area. I, I like having Tom on because he, he has a podcast as well, and he'll make comments like that and just make it, you know, just so you know, we're not on topic anymore. Yeah, we, are, <laughs> we are totally down the rabbit trail. All right. Well, that was a fun one to end on. Uh, guys, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, Nate Schneider, Big Nate, the Associate AV design Designer uh, for Image Stream Medical. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at BigNate84HowTo. Uh, or on YouTube at BigNate84. Yep, and check out his YouTube channel. It's a whole lot of, uh, if you're an AV tech, a whole lot of uh, good good tips and tricks. Uh, Ronnie Ann Spang. Ronnie is an AV systems designer. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, where can people find you, or, or do you not want them to? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who they are. If, if I owe you money, um, just ignore this next part. If you owe me money, please look me up on LinkedIn. There we go. Um, good old LinkedIn. Uh, Tom Andre, good to see you, bub. Uh, it, it's good having you on. I appreciate it. You're you're a great great writer, a great reviewer, a great podcaster. Uh, he's been doing uh, AV rant for much longer than we've been doing this show. Uh, he's Over got a good partner. Hmm? Over five years now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's been doing it a long time, and it does a good job with it. So thank you. Where can people find you, and and not just your your AV stuff, but also your books. Right, uh, avrants.com. We've got a Facebook page as well that you can get to from there. Uh, I do write, uh, not only for audioholics.com, but I, I've written three now books, uh, superhero-themed novels that you can find at tomandry.com. And I have a fantasy novel that is going to be coming out in the next couple of months. I'm just mm. going through the end of the uh, review process, or the editing process of that right now. So Very cool. What kind of uh, fantasy stuff? Uh, it's not a Lord of the Rings sort of thing. It's more, uh, it's set in a city that is controlled by the clerical caste. And, uh, there's a, there's a, a, um, a legend of a harbinger that will be destroying everything. And, uh, that's sort of where it goes. Oh, very cool. <laughs> well, like yes, that, that's going to be called Touch of Pain. It's the, the pain. working, working title of that one. Okay. Very good. Uh, and last but not least, George Tucker. He is Tucker 2's everywhere. Where can people find you, sir? Just about there. Anywhere <laughs> on social media. Anywhere yeah. on social media. You look up Tucker 2's, I'm there. He's there. By the way, check out George's. Uh, he's he's much too modest on stuff like this. He just wrote a, a, a blog post uh, for Red Band about who you can trust in covering the AV industry. Very, very well done. And, uh, yeah, I was. it was, oh, it was a good read. Much. It was a good read. So Thank you tweeted out this morning so check that out i'll put a, a link on the on the page uh it don't if you want to follow me it's it's td tim david albright um a-l-b-r-i-g-h-t on twitter but do yourself a favor don't and check out the website avnation.tv avnation.tv you can see the listen to this show uh the diy show live staging and events uh, control and all sorts of other ones so uh, start there we're on twitter and facebook and and LinkedIn and the Google Pluses. So, avnation.tv, thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>